0: This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. How's it going, everyone? We have a very special episode for you today. We have the awesome Graham Cluely, podcast host of Smashing Security and all-around cybersecurity powerhouse. We talk about podcasting. We even talk about an interesting story he has about chess. We also wanted to mention that we are pleased to announce that we have two new patrons that are on our mastermind tier, Byron Davis and Randy Reinhart. Welcome to the group. Welcome to the crew. Welcome to our family. If you're curious about our Patreon page and you want to support us, be sure to check it out at patreon.com forward slash Hacker Valley Studio. And as always, be sure to check out our website, HackerValley.studio. Without further ado, enjoy the show. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome
1: back to the show. Glad to be back again here in our virtual studios. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Graham Cluley. You might have followed him on Twitter, seen some of his blog posts, uh, all around security expert. You've been around in the game for quite some time. And <laughs> I'm I got to say, <laughs> not not ancient, <laughs> but just seasoned, distinguished yes uh, yes and also we were we said we weren't going to mention it but you are also an award winner for all of your work so oh, uh goodness. kudos and, and shout outs on that <laughs> <laughs> thank
2: you Seriously. very much uh, a very a great pleasure to be here in the valley Uh, With you chats.
0: excellent. So I'm going to go ahead and read all of your awards now, uh, verbatim. So (laughs) everyone, hold (laughs) tight. No, Graham, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, This is obviously a a big treat for us. You have been around for a long time in
2: in tech space. Oh, in the (laughs) tech space, in the tech space. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: No, not calling you old. Not calling you old, but I am calling you a veteran for sure. I mean taking an old-school Dr. Solomon antivirus toolkit for Windows. Just gave a little teaser. Obviously, you have a great background, but for those that don't know you yet, could you give us a little bit of your background and what you're doing today?
2: Yeah, well, I started in computer security, I think it was January 1992, when I was writing the first Windows version of Dr. Solomon's antivirus toolkit, which is a very popular European antivirus product. Eventually, it got purchased by McAfee, the whole company, and I went to work for Sophos for many years, and uh, round about, ooh, blah, 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 around about six and a half years ago, maybe seven years ago, I left Sophos and started working for myself, and now I give talks, I blog, I have a weekly uh, security podcast called Smashing Security, and I'm, I'm just kind of a big mouth, really, I just, you know... <laughs> I just do. Well, just uh, sort of comment on anything which is going on and the world of security and privacy and hopefully having some fun while I'm doing it.
0: That's awesome. So full time, you're you're producing content, talking to people. And and that's what you do all day is do you have any time to aside from, you know, having your your guests on and, and learning from them? But is there any time for you to kind of dip back into tech yourself or you full time content producer?
2: I'm pretty much producing content. Half of my life is giving talks on stage. Now, that's come to a rather (laughs) sudden halt, of course, with this whole horrible pandemic thing going on. Some of my talks have gone virtual instead. Rest of my time, I'm writing. I write for a few people's blogs, a few security companies' blogs. I write for my own blog and I'm tweeting and I'm producing a podcast each week. Uh, And yeah, that's how sometimes I manage to (laughs) sort of carve a living for myself. It's absurd, really. It doesn't sound like a real job, does it? But I haven't, I have to be honest, I haven't properly programmed for years. The only programming I do is a bit of PHP on my WordPress backend for my website and doing things like that. And I, I actually find that quite fun, actually, sometimes just to get my fingers a little bit dirty and that sort of thing. It's So easy to blow up your website with just a, a missing semicolon or something like that. Uh, we it, know, <laughs> uh, yes. yes. <laughs> so, so I'm still, I'm still keeping my hand in that way, but not really analysing malware or anything like that. I'm just sort of writing about it and and sharing my opinion as to what's going on in the world.
1: You know, content creation is uh, so important just because you have so much information that you've learned over the years and to disperse that back to individuals who are interested or that really just need the research is always a great thing. But one thing I did see is that you're very consistent with posting. What enables you to be so consistent? I know I struggle myself with posting on Twitter and also my blog what what keeps you going and posting there?
2: I don't know. I don't think I'm producing quite as much content as I used to, actually, because since the podcast has come along in the last three or four years, that's been taking more of my time. I'm doing more public speaking. I was until recently as well. But it was just a sort of feeling of feeling that you have something to offer. and. I think if if I was to, it's very difficult, isn't it, to look at yourself and say what you do well. But I think one of the things which I do quite well is explaining sometimes complicated things in a way that people can understand. Because I have a technical background, I understand what's going on at the nerdy kind of level. But because I've also spent a long time talking to customers, giving presentations, I hopefully can translate that knowledge into something which is easily digestible. And so that's what I'm trying to do. And if you listen to our podcast, Smashing Security is nothing like some of the other podcasts out there, which can be very, very technical, getting to the interrupt vector registers and the registry keys and all that sort of thing. And you just think, well, that's great. And there's an audience for that. But that that isn't the kind of show I want to do. I want to do something which appeals to a wider audience and hopefully will be useful to more people as well.
0: We do the exact same Mm. thing. We focus on the human element of cybersecurity, people's stories, what makes them tick, what are their passions, what makes them who they are in the space. And so we kind of look at it as being 70%
2: self-help,
0: personal growth, and like 30% cybersecurity. Because obviously, I think those are people that are going to need that additional benefits, uh, additional skills and techniques for getting the most performance out of themselves. One thing I, I like to akin it to is being... A mental athlete, right? Because there is no off season. Constantly solving problems, figuring things out—a lot like professional chess players. And you had Gary <laughs> Kasparov on your show. Totally jealous, unbelievable. I'd love to hear the story about how that came about and how
2: you actually felt oh having him on the show. Well, I am a huge fan of chess. I'm crazy about chess, right? If you were to ask me, what am I doing outside of security? It is playing chess. I play for my local club. I'm not very good, but, <laughs> but I, I am obsessed with chess and have been for, for well for an awfully long time. So what happened with that, and it was such a thrill because we managed to get Gary Kasparov on our on our show. And he was a great guest as well. What actually happened was a couple of years ago, I was speaking at an event where Gary was also speaking. So we were both doing keynotes. And I realised this the night before. I thought, crikey, this thing I'm going to tomorrow, Gary Kasparov's on. So I tweeted and I tweeted and I said, hey, I'm speaking at an event Gary Kasparov is speaking at tomorrow. Does anyone think I have the bottle to invite him on the podcast? And Gary himself replied to me saying, wow, saying bottle of vodka, question mark. I thought, oh my God, (laughs) <laughs> I thought maybe I can do this, so I, I raced down to the local supermarket. I don't drink, right? So I know nothing about it. It would be bad at the best of times trying to buy a Russian grandmaster a bottle of vodka, but <laughs> I, but I don't drink. So I was I was at the supermarket and I got my phone out and I was tweeting images. Said everyone, look here, here is all the vodka in front of me. Which do I buy, Gary Gaspro Gary Kasparov? Uh, and I got in my. Bought a bottle. I went down to the event. And I, I managed to play... I was lucky enough to meet Gary because he was having a simultaneous chess tournament, so I got to play him. Uh, you can probably guess... What? You can probably, oh, yes, I've, I've actually played Gary twice at chess, alongside about 10 or a dozen other people at the same time, on different oh. boards. <laughs> on different boards. On different boards. But So he's, he's basically walking around between 12 boards. Yeah. And yours is one of them. And as soon as he gets to your board, you have to make a move. It is so intimidating because it's wow. like... this. He's not only a world champion... Kasparov is the greatest chess player of all time, right? There's no question about it. There's Bobby Fischer, there's Magnus Carlsen, Gary Kasparov, without a doubt, in my mind, is yep. the greatest ever. Uh, and so you're like, ah, I'm playing Gary Anyway, so the, the, game, <laughs> the game finished and you can probably guess the result. But afterwards- You won. <laughs> you beat him. You know, <laughs> I, I gave him an easy time. I gave him a, and I, afterwards I gave him a bottle and said, Gary, I'm the guy who tweeted you yesterday. Here's a bottle of vodka. I'd love for you to come on my podcast. And he said to me, "Oh, I don't drink actually." And I thought, "Bastard!" I thought, "I thought, <laughs> I thought I've been." You said, both. "Anyway," he dis- his minders sort of he just d- disappeared into the dust, right? And I thought, "Oh, no, that was my chance." And I had two years later. I got another chance to compare the simultaneous tournament which Gary was giving as well as play him again. I played much worse this time. So I got to see him again. And this time I hassled his PR manager and said, I really think Gary should come on the podcast. And I I had to, it took months and months. But I think the thing which actually helped was coronavirus, because I think they probably pay, this security company probably pay Gary so much per year to represent them at events. And suddenly there, there are no events to send him to. And they're thinking, what can we do with him? And I think I bubbled up in their email as, can Gary please come on my podcast? And they thought, well, we're not doing anything else with him. We'll ask him to go on the wow. podcast. And as it turned out, he was a fantastic guest. He was funny. He's, he's He was. He's a great brain. Uh, he's, he, he obviously talks a lot about artificial intelligence and privacy and politics and all of this stuff. But he was tremendous. I hope we can get him back again one day. I don't know if he'll ever do it again. It was, it was brilliant. Brilliant. It was. It, it was really good fun, and he was a great sport, and it was a real laugh having him on. So, so yeah, that's that's how we got Gary Kasparov on. So now, obviously, I'm emailing Bill Gates and Edward Snowden. <laughs> and
1: <laughs> if there's yep, a time, it's right now to do it. <laughs> I,
2: I, I tell you guys, I did actually DM Edward Snowden this morning and say, "Hey, hi, hi, Ed, would you like to come on podcast? <laughs> no, you, Gary no, Kasparov did. was on there last week. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Who knows? That he, is amazing. He might say yes. I doubt it, but he might. <laughs>
0: he, he might. He might. He might be running out of interviews now. So well, he, I, he's not I, a guy who travels around
2: to... much. He's, he doesn't fly around so much, does he? Doing stuff, but very true.
1: <laughs> so with with guests like, let's say you get even Snowden uh, with guests like <laughs> that and Gary Kasparov, what time of the day? Like how how, how do you how do you facilitate that? Because you're you're also in the uk right
2: yeah we're in the uk and uh, gary kasparov lives in new york um so it's only five hours difference Uh, so so it's just a morning thing for him what's more difficult is sometimes we've had guests join us from australia which is good you know can be like 11 or 12 hours difference we've had troy hunt on a couple of times who's over on the uh, east coast of australia and so people like that are difficult and there, there have been some people where it's simply been too difficult to schedule things in with people's lives and stuff but but yeah I mean we you know it's we're we're nerds we don't mind staying up late and uh, (laughs) sometimes we might even get up early who knows
1: (laughs) Uh, what's been like some of your favorite topics that have come up on your podcast so far it's so so much range and and depth to it
2: yeah I mean I think we've had some terrific guests bringing great topics onto the show. Um, I really enjoyed uh, a guy called Jamie Bartlett. And actually, you may know his podcast. There's a hit podcast called The Missing Crypto Queen, all about a scam, a cryptocurrency scam, which basically earned billions. Uh, people were investing, believing that they were going to become millionaires. And uh, they were told that their funds would all be protected. And In fact, it was, it was just complete hokum. And uh, we have Jamie Bartlett, who did this fantastic podcast for the BBC all about the missing crypto queen, the woman who was behind it and how she disappeared and his attempt. And he traveled around the world trying to catch her. I won't give away what happens in the end, but it's a great podcast. So having people like Jamie on uh, has been terrific. We've also had uh, people like Jack Resider. Jack uh, runs the great podcast Darknet Diaries which has been a real phenomenon. I know he's been on your show as well. So people like that is great. I, I do like, I mean, on our podcast, we like to have a bit of a laugh and we like to have some fun. So although sometimes we're talking about serious topics, we try not to necessarily take them too seriously. So we're we're serious about what we do, but not necessarily how we do it. So we try and find a funny side in things as well, which um, is getting to be a bit of a challenge with the way the world's going at the moment. But
0: uh, right. we'll keep beavering on. Same same here. We try to keep it as positive and upbeat as as we can. You know, because we're you know, we're still talking about cyber threats, we're talking about, you know, people overcoming some obstacles, we're talking about diversity issues, things like that. Mm. Would you would you say that your ability to have conversations and and speak so eloquently, if I could say say so myself, (laughs) would you say that came from your background in writing and some of the ways that you do your podcast and you speak to people comes from that? And or would you say they're completely separate modalities?
2: It might come from writing. I, I think as well. It, I think the mistake that some podcasts make is I, I, I believe that you should make the kind of podcast that you would want to listen to. And sometimes podcast podcasts can be terribly dry. And I have a very low boredom threshold. I mean I I I get bored listening to myself. I get bored with myself on stage. And if if, if I'm finding myself boring, then Lord knows what the audience is thinking as well. So I I, I try and make it something engaging and try and edit it in a decent enough fashion that people aren't going to be too put off and will hopefully enjoy it. But yeah, I mean, I think writing, my background as someone who gave public speeches as well and putting together a good presentation, you know, I don't believe in things like death by PowerPoint, you know, I believe in telling stories and engaging with people that way and grabbing some mind share and, and, and explaining things in a way which is entertaining but also hopefully useful as well is really the answer to this. But I mean I don't I don't try and be too scientific about it. I think that can kill things as well. I think you just need to have a bit of fun and a successful podcast. I mean, there's loads of podcasts out there and some are doing much, much better than us. And some, uh, you know, that it, it's the first thing is you have to be having fun yourself. And if you're having fun yourself, then you might find there are other people who have fun, listen to you and get something out of it. But I would hate to do one of those sort of, oh, yes, and there's been another data breach, blah, 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 reading a script. <laughs> it would just be like, no, I don't need that. I can get that from my RSS feed. I don't want to tune into that when I'm walking the dog.
1: Right. I'd like saying a bit more human. It's it's so important to have fun while you're doing it. I think a lot of it you don't actually get to see on camera also. Like I know for Chris and I, the conversations that we have off the podcast are just as interesting, sometimes even more interesting than sometimes oh the goodness. things that happen in parts of the conversation. So what does that look like for you in your show? Do you guys have any funny routines
2: or things that make it more fun and more enjoyable? So, I don't know about enjoyable. My, so, I have a co-host. <laughs> if you haven't heard Smashing Security, I have a co-host called Carole Terrier. And Carole is... Probably my best friend. But the, the friend, we, we regularly fall out of each other in real life. It's not put on. We, we do have arguments and we bicker. And some people think that we might actually be married. It's, the relationship has broken down that much. <laughs> um, but we are married to other lovely people rather than each other. But we used to work opposite each other for about 10 years. There was just a desk between us. And um, it, it, it was an up and down relationship. And I think that comes through on the podcast as well. So if you heard the raw, unedited podcast, all the stuff we take out, there's quite often a lot of juicy material there which we think, oh, we can't put that out, either because we've libeled someone or, or because it just turned a little bit nasty. Sometimes We actually bring guests onto the show sometimes to mediate our relationship—if we have a fooling out—but <laughs> <laughs> but people seem to like it. Frankly, she's she's very hard work. She probably won't ever listen to this, so we, because she won't want to listen, she won't want to listen to anything I've <laughs> I've done. So so I can break but it. She away. might be one of our biggest fans. So oh, my, we have oh, my that good. going for us. Oh, don't invite her on. <laughs> <laughs> don't have her talking about me. Um, but you know, she. But actually, I can, as I know, she probably won't listen to this. I, I can be honest and say she's an incredible dynamic person with lots of energy and is very good at kicking people up the butt and enthusing them and getting them to do things but yeah we we put out some of our bonus content as we call it (laughs) some of the the sort of smashing security after dark we put out to (laughs) our patreon supporters and we, we should do more of that really i think i think people might enjoy it some of it's not security related necessarily but people might find it entertaining
0: Obviously, with all the stuff that you do, blog, podcasts, you'd hate to admit it, but you're a pretty big name. What is your most unique story running into, say, a fan out in
2: the world? Oh, you know, it's always delightful to meet someone. I mean, you can be on the other side of the world, I and mean, that literally has happened. You know, I've been in Australia or South Africa, and someone's come up and said, oh, I really like your podcast. And it's like, Wow. You mean you listen to it? (laughs) I can't believe that. And they will actually quote things back at you. You know, it's like they they, they know things. And sometimes they, because I don't know about you guys, I mean, you guys record a lot of podcasts, but for me, once I've recorded the podcast, within a day, I can't remember what I talked about. I can't remember what the podcast was about, right? It's kind of gone. It's sort of filed away. But people will remember, and it's astonishing. And we have had situations, sometimes Carol and I, have both gone to an event sometimes we we have taken the podcast on tour a couple of times um, and and done the show live and it's really fun then meeting people because they're so used to hearing your voice and the way that you interact with your co-host and then they're standing there in front of you and you're chatting with them in the bar or something and we're beginning to bicker at each other and they're just like a bit confused. It's like, this is so weird. This is like the podcast in real life that's going on in front of <laughs> me. Yeah. Right. So it, it's, I, I love podcasts as a medium. I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts which aren't security related. And it's a wonderful, intimate medium and way of communication. I, I always loved radio as a kid. And podcasts have sort of overtaken that for me now. I, I can't go to sleep at night unless I'm listening to a podcast. I need someone talking in my ear. And what, what uh, kind
1: of podcasts are those? Are they tech related or or other, other
2: topics? Oh god no, I wouldn't listen to a tech podcast. I <laughs> because there's so much of that in my life already. So right, that's all day. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I have other obsessions. So I might listen to a podcast about American politics, for instance, or I might listen to a podcast about I'm obsessive about the Beatles. There are some chess podcasts, but they don't, it doesn't actually transform very well to the audio medium, but I do, so I am subscribed to a couple of them. Doctor Who, I'm a big fan of classic old Doctor Who, so I listen to a lot of Doctor Who podcasts, but all sorts of other things as well, anything which, I listen sometimes to a podcast about the the magician's industry, so what it is to be a magician and to, to try and make a living and so it's it's like an insider's look as to what it is to be a magician they interview different magicians I know I don't know any magic I do a couple of card tricks but that's it but I found the podcast really interesting because there's this strange little industry that some people are trying to carve out for themselves and trying to be a success and how they manage to do it and how the challenges they have and I, I just find human stories I think interesting um,
1: it's it's fascinating to see just the amount of podcasts and the evolution of podcasts. You've been doing it for three years, which I think is uh, a little bit longer than most podcasts that are around today. But to see like even a podcast from five years ago is something that I don't think a lot of people were too in tune with was, was podcasts back then.
2: It's really taken off a great deal. And there are a huge number of them out there. And I think that's wonderful. And what a great democratization as well, that it is accessible to anyone who's prepared to spend, you know, 20 or $30 on a microphone and off you go and you can put it out there and no one can stop you. And you get up on iPod podcasts and then you're on everyone's podcast app. How wonderful yeah. is that? Um, Technology is amazing. And, and not everyone everyone's a lot of podcasts never get to 10 episodes. You know, a lot of podcasts will run out of steam or they get frustrated because they don't get listeners and things like that. But it's, It's a wonderful creative thing to do. I've always loved, I mean, I I think one of the things I enjoyed when I used to be, uh, I used to write computer games before I worked in computer security. I I sold games and things. And I loved that whole thing of starting with a a blank screen in front of me and creating something from nothing. It was a bit like writing, in a way, like writing an article or writing a book, Uh, but creating something which you have complete control over the universe and able to do it. And similarly, with a podcast, that is something which we mentioned Jack Reside, who does Dark Dar. Diaries, really very, extremely popular podcast now, very professionally done. It's all him, really, doing it. And that's right. what any of us could do if we wanted to do that. kind. Our show's different from his, but, you know, you, you can do a podcast like that if you want, and it will be just as good as Reply All or The Mystery Show or some of those Gimlet podcasts.
1: Before we got started, I had some friends that were in podcasting and it was kind of the same situation. They started and, you know, 10 episodes in or maybe even less, Mm. uh, things fizzled out. Was that ever the situation for you? Was there ever like a time where there was a lull in maybe the way that the podcast was turning out or the amount of listeners? Was there ever any lull in the, the podcast for you?
2: I think we were quite lucky at the start because I had quite a big following on Twitter and on my blog so I was able to sort of leverage that to tell everyone hey I've got a podcast and and so quite quickly I was able to you know begin to get an audience for the show so that that definitely helped having some sort of social media presence already in existence. The challenge we had is that initially we started our podcast with three of us so it's me, Carol Terrio and a friend of ours called Vanya Schweitzer who used to work at Sophos and then went to work for another company. And after about, I think it was about 20 episodes or something like that, Vanya got a new job. And the new company said, we don't want you going on the podcast. And I thought, how on earth am I going to do a podcast, just me and Carol? because we'll be at each. It was always good to have someone else. (laughs) (laughs) So if we had a disagreement, someone else could have a vote, you know, and it break the deadlock. And so then we thought, we can't get Vanya on anymore. We're going to have to start thinking of guests. And so we began to invite friends and people we knew who we thought would be good onto the show. And now we have this format of it's me and Carol, And we m- most weeks, we will have a special guest as well come on the show. And they've actually brought uh, tremendous new things, not only a new voice, but I think this is a good way. If you are running a podcast, it's good to appear on other people's podcasts and to get your voice out there because people might check you out. And so... We were able to get people like Miko Hipperman, who obviously, you know, is an InfoSec rock star, get him on, loads of other great people who really know their topics, some people from other podcasts. Uh, We've had Dave Bittner, who on many times, for instance, he runs the Cyberwire and Hacking Humans podcast. They've got a great listenership as well. So that kind of thing definitely helps. So I think it actually brought a new dimension. We we do miss Vanya, and we'd love him to come back one day, but... Basically, he has to lose his job first,
1: <laughs> and then we're Which getting back. might not be the best.
2: No, I wouldn't recommend it to him at the current moment.
1: But but the podcast has sponsors, so maybe maybe he could join yeah, back. Yeah, in. hey, you know, hey,
2: yeah, <laughs> that's that's so true.
1: One of the, one of the things that we were talking about with Jack was kind of optimization of not only the podcast but with all things that you do. And it sounds like you are definitely more of like kind of go with the flow, enjoy the experience. Is there ever times where you, where you find yourself having to get into more of the methodical mindset and just following the process and tinkering through it? Or do you find a lot of success just uh, kind of being who you are and not focusing on the things well, that you don't wanna do?
2: Although it's a relaxed show, Our show is typically about 45 minutes and it sounds like it's just three people having a chat. I think people would be amazed how many hours go into editing a chat to make it sound like a relaxed chat and quite how much work you sometimes have to do to make it flow properly. Or someone may say it, you know, may say something funny, but they didn't quite say it at the right time. So you might just move it a little bit or... Maybe someone stumbled over a word. So we, we actually take a great deal of care to try and make it sound as good as it is. It, it isn't the same kind of show as some of those Gimlet or Darknet Neck It's a different kind of production from that. It is more relaxed. We do put some effort in in terms of promoting it. We create video teasers. You know, we're tweeting about it. We used to have a Facebook account, but then we just decided we can't. It just felt wrong to be on Facebook, so we killed that off. But we, we promote it in other places as well. We did a tour, we produced t-shirts and mugs and things like that for the people who want them and sending them out to people. Uh, and it's, so, you know, it, it is in many ways a serious business. And it is actually, I mean, to be frank, you know, it, it brings some income in, which is nice, especially when, if you're not doing public talks and things. So we are serious from, from that point of view. But the kind of show we want is one which sounds like we're having fun and that we're, we're having a good time, because hopefully if we're having a good time, then our listeners are as well. So that is a sort of undercurrent of it all. And most of the time, have, there have been a couple of times when Carol and I have thought, we're never, ever going to record another podcast. You know, we, <laughs> might, we might have a falling house, but we, we've come back. And I think actually that's an important thing, is I personally like the idea of, this is the day, this is the time we will put a podcast out. And some podcasts, I think, don't have that regular output, which I think is a negative experience for listeners because they get into the habit of, oh, it's it comes out round about my tea time or when I'm walking the dog or when, no, sorry, I knocked my mic, or when I'm uh, commuting to work. So people expect it at a certain time, but it's also good to have that kind of regiment inside yourself as well of, it's a Tuesday, we're going to have to record a podcast this afternoon, we need to be prepared for it, we need to have our guests lined up. We need to brief them as to what they're going to do and what they're going to what they need to bring to the table if they've never been on the show before. So you know there there's some serious business behind it, and it, it can take a lot of time and effort to produce the show. I have one more question for you, and hmm. the question
1: is: We get asked a lot, not only how to get started in security or technology, but also sometimes we get pinged and asked how do we get started in podcasting. And I, I compiled a list of pieces of equipment that I've purchased and kind of trials and tribulations that I've been through just through the podcasting journey and experience. What would your advice be for anyone that's looking to get into blogging, podcasting, or even cybersecurity? What's maybe like a non-specific thing that they can do, like focus on their consistency or start somewhere? What would be your words of wisdom for them?
2: I think maybe you put your finger on it. It's consistency. I think maybe. If you get yourself into the habit, it's a bit like exercising every day, which is kind of ironic me saying that because I don't exercise every day, but I probably should. But it's, it's getting in the habit of thinking, OK, I've done a day's work or something It's 6 p.m. I will write one blog post tonight or I will write one every Sunday afternoon. And by the end of the year, you've got a lot of content. And I think that's true of podcasting. I think it's true of blogging as well. Info security and getting into cyber security, I think, is people ask me all the time, you know, I want to have a career like yours. How do you do it? And I just kind of fell into this by accident. You know, uh, the only reason I ended up working for an antivirus company was because Alan Solomon's kids liked my computer games. And he sent me a letter saying, love your games. If you want a job, let me know. You know, I just really? kind of fell into it. Oh, yeah. I don't have any cyber security qualifications whatsoever and wow. no training about that. Yeah, well I'm of an age where there, there wasn't much to be had. Yeah. So, there wasn't any but,
1: degrees or anything like that back then.
2: No, I mean I, I have a computer science, but that but that was all like teaching me how to write in cobol, which turns out would have actually been quite useful to skill to have it turns out 30 years later. But, you know, it 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 wasn't anything security specific back then at all. So I always feel quite a fraud. One thing I would say I think is really useful and a great resource for people who want to make a name for themselves and want to learn is Twitter. I love Twitter. I know there's lots of ghastliness on Twitter, but if you follow what? the right people, there are, there's so much knowledge being shared up there. So if you follow the right lists or find someone who you like and see what lists they actually publicly share... Of security people and follow these people, you can begin to gather a great deal of knowledge and you begin to make connections as well. And there are people up on Twitter who no one's ever met, but are regarded as real experts in their field. I mean, the classic example would be something like Swift on Security, right? An account which pretends to be Taylor Swift tweeting about <laughs> cybersecurity issues. No one knows who that really is. And yet, they've got hundreds of thousands of followers. They're very influential. Now, I'm not sure that turns into a career in any fashion. They've probably got a real CISO-style job somewhere. But you know, there are plenty of others who haven't kept entirely anonymous, but have actually built themselves a name and ultimately got jobs because of the expertise which they've shown up there. And I think I think that's a great platform to use. Absolutely. Obviously, there's lots of- there's lots of Nazis up there and horribleness like that as well. But, you know, but if you're careful about who you follow and you follow the rules, then Twitter's terrific. That's, that's the social network I like. And that's a great
1: point about the list, not only making your own, but checking out the lists that other people have, not only just to like, follow the same types of people or content that someone like you is following, but also to know more about their... Hobbies, backgrounds, yeah, uh, interests. That's how I—I I had a little bit of background that you
2: were a chess fan. There was mm. a chess list on your Twitter. Yeah. How sad am I? There you go. I didn't know I had that. I didn't know I had that as public. I've probably got a Doctor Who list up there as well, and I—I might even be sharing my security list. If I'm not, I'm very happy to make it public. Uh, so, if other people want to see who I'm following specifically security based, then that's a great thing to do. Yeah, go go and see who other people are following. And, you know, the people you admire and respect because you you might gain something from it as well.
0: Graham, thank you so much for being on the show. Sincerely, this was an amazing conversation. For folks that want to stay in touch with you and all the content that you're producing, what are some ways that people can do that?
2: Well, I run a website at GrahamCluley.com. Graham is with an H and Cluley is C-L-U-L-E-Y. I am also on Twitter at G-C-L-U-L-E-Y. And if you want to check out my podcast, it's called Smashing Security. And it's in all good podcast apps and quite a few crummy ones as well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Graham. We'll be sure to put those links in our details and we'll see everyone on the next one.
2: Well, thank you very much and good luck with your show.